Hello, Daniel Barnett here, and welcome to episode 29 of Employment Law Matters. In this episode, you'll learn about the different types of apprenticeship and funding, as well as gaining some practical tips on employing and dismissing apprentices. First of all, a quick thank you to Ben147Purvis. He said when leaving a review on iTunes, Informative and concise podcasts that get straight to the point. I've already put some of the insights into practice. Thank you, Ben, and I hope the insights have been useful. If you send your full name and address to podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk, we'll send you a copy of GDPR for HR Professionals, one of my books, as a thank you for you taking the time to put a review up on iTunes. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. Let's start by looking at common law apprenticeships, and I'm going to hold my hands up here. Apprenticeships are not the most exciting topic in the world. In fact, I think as a subject, it's downright dull, but it is important. And governments put a great deal of effort and care and money into promoting apprenticeships. Many employers do likewise. So what is a common law apprenticeship? Well, it's the traditional apprenticeship model, which tends not to be used all that much these days. The key point about this type of apprenticeship is that the contract of apprenticeship created under it is a form of employment contract, but with enhanced protections for the apprentice. It can be difficult for an employer to terminate this arrangement, which is more about training than the work carried out. The role of a trainee solicitor is a typical type of common law apprenticeship. It's unlike a usual employment relationship, and it means that employers might find themselves having to persevere with an an apprentice who, if they'd been a standard employee, would have been dismissed long ago. That's not to say a common law apprentice can't be performance managed or dismissed for misconduct or made redundant, but each of these things is made more difficult by the higher standards imposed. A poorly performing common law apprentice needs to be essentially untrainable, which implies the employer has to have invested significant effort into bringing them up to scratch. Dismissal for conduct would have to be based on something very serious and worse behaviour than could be relied on in the case of an ordinary employee. In a redundancy situation, only something as momentous as a sudden business closure or a fundamental change to the business would usually be enough. That's the common law apprenticeship. As I say, we don't see many of them anymore. The much more common type is the statutory apprenticeship. The statutory apprenticeship. And that's generally seen as a more employer-friendly alternative. It's the type more commonly entered into today with funding available to help with the training costs. An apprenticeship agreement under the statutory scheme has to be in a prescribed form, and it looks a lot more like a normal employment contract. There are differences between the systems in Wales and England, so it's important to become familiar with the regime that applies to you. A wholly different regime applies in Scotland, and because my qualifications as a barrister only extend to England and Wales, I cannot talk about law where it is different in Scotland. 99% of employment law is the same, but this is different. I also haven't really got time in this podcast to go into both the English and the Welsh regime, so I'm going to be focusing on the framework in England. Apologies to anybody who feels left out. 
An approved English apprenticeship usually takes place under an approved English apprenticeship agreement. It's also possible to achieve the same qualification via a different route, the alternative English apprenticeship. The alternative English apprenticeship is only relevant for special categories of workers. I'm sure there's a reason for it. I can't think for the life of me why that would be. An approved English apprenticeship agreement covers an individual who works as an apprentice in a sector where an approved apprenticeship standard has been published. And these standards are set out on the Institute for Apprenticeships website, www.instituteforapprenticeships.org. These standards are developed and approved over time as new apprenticeships are developed within industry. They set out how long the apprenticeship will last and include an approved assessment plan. The assessment is designed to test whether the apprentice has reached the required competence in their chosen field. Apprentices take an independent assessment at the end of their training to confirm they've achieved occupational competence in the job. They must be able to demonstrate the knowledge, the skills, the behaviours set out in the apprenticeship standards. This is called end point assessment. Despite the complex legal background, the system is actually quite user-friendly. If a business is looking to employ an apprentice, the www.instituteforapprenticeships.org website is a good starting point. What should an approved English apprenticeship agreement contain? Well, an approved English apprenticeship agreement must contain all the basic employment terms set out in Section 1 of the Employment Rights Act 1996. So far, no different to an ordinary employee. But the Apprenticeships Miscellaneous Provisions Regulations 27 set out additional requirements. Number one, the agreement has to contain terms regarding off-the-job training. Number two, the agreement must contain details of the practical period. That means the duration of the apprenticeship. And number three, the agreement should also detail the relevant approved apprenticeship standard applicable to the apprenticeship. Sounds like a tongue twister. Probably is. So that's a run through of the position in England. Funding. As well as the cost of management time in on-the-job training, there's also the cost of college training and assessment. Employers can get government funding to cover some of the cost of the off-the-job element of training. It's usually provided by a separate training provider. Funding can't be used to cover wages or any other costs associated with employing an apprentice. The government introduced the apprenticeship levy in April 2017. Employers with a pay bill of over £3 million have to pay it, and it's 0.5% of an employer's pay bill over £3 million in the tax year. Payments are managed by the Apprenticeship Service in England. Levy-playing employers need to sign up to the Apprenticeship Service to access their funding and pay for training. An employer pays the Apprenticeship Levy on a monthly basis to Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs through PAYE. And there are funding rules which set out the details in full. What about employers who don't pay the levy? Well, non-levy paying employers share the cost of training and assessing the apprenticeships with the government. And it's called government employer co-investment. It's a nice way to phrase a name for a tax. 
From May 2017, employers have had to pay 10% towards the cost of apprenticeship training directly to the training provider, and the government pays the remaining 90%, up to the funding band maximum, again directly to the training provider. What are the practical implications of employing apprentices? Well, number one, the national minimum wage. Apprentices have a lower minimum wage, reflecting the fact they're in training. It's currently £3.90, and it applies to apprentices under 19 or apprentices aged 19 or over, but in their first year of apprenticeship. Any apprentice aged over 25 or not in their first year of apprenticeship are entitled to the normal minimum wage. Two, working time. Young workers are protected by special provisions of the working time regulations, which include longer and more frequent breaks and extra daily and weekly rest. Bear in mind, this is all young workers, not just apprentices, but most apprentices will be young workers. Three, how easy is it to dismiss an apprentice? Well, while contracts of apprenticeship, common law apprenticeship, can't easily be brought to an end by an employer, statutory apprenticeships are different. You can treat a statutory apprentice pretty much as you would any other employee. Qualifying apprentices have the usual employment law rights of unfair dismissal, as well as the range of other protections. Bear in mind, as an apprenticeship runs for a set period of time, an apprentice is probably deemed dismissed at the end of them, expiry of a fixed-term contract. So you should go through a fair dismissal process, typically for some other substantial reason, if the apprentice has two or more years of service and you're not taking them on. You might also want to consider including in an apprenticeship agreement a provision for termination on notice or a probationary period. When it comes to termination of a young person's contract, though, remember to take account of their likely inexperience in aspects of work in the workplace. Is there more you could do for them? And that's something to bear in mind throughout all your apprenticeships. Be prepared to invest time. Be invest prepared to invest energy in your apprentices. Don't make assumptions about their level of knowledge or their competencies. Get to know them so you give them the best possible training and support via, if possible, an individual mentor. And that way you're in a good position not only to get the best out of them, but to spot signs of poor behaviour or poor performance early. With the proper legal and HR framework in place, employers stand to create and benefit from successful apprenticeships time and time again. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Daniel Barnett, and if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do consider subscribing at danielbarnett.co.uk slash podcast or leaving a review on your favourite podcast review site. Have a great week, and I'll speak to you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.